Hello, Cape Coast. Hello, Cape Coast. Hello, Cape Coast. Okay, thank you very much, Albert and Comfort. I think the earlier presenters have set a very high standard. Catherine, thank you very much. I learned a lot from your presentation. Cece, thank you very much. I picked a lot from your presentation. And Albert, once again, what can I say? Still a lot of food for thought. I have a very challenging task this evening. Because having sat through three presentations already, I'm sure you are wondering what is new. Well, I have good news for you. I will try not to repeat any of the lines that has already been introduced. So I would only focus on the difference. That is point number one. Point number two. It is important for you to recognize that I only have about 30 to 45 minutes to deliver something that has taken several hours to put together, to think about for almost two weeks now. And I'm very sure it will be the same situation for Catherine, for Cece, and for Albert. And that is a fact of life. Okay? You use several days to prepare for examination, and you have just one hour to make a difference. But before you ask me a question, I'm going to reverse the pressure on you by asking my first question, who is a genius? Who is a genius? And remember the formula that Albert gave you. Okay, tilt your waist, angle your, your leg, look straight with confidence. Thank you again for the opportunity. I think a genius is someone who just breaks the record and does everything that wows everyone. Wow! He said a genius is somebody who breaks the record and does something that wows everyone. I have another definition for you. The definition says, if you want to be a genius for one hour, every minute should count. If you want to be a genius for a day, every hour must count. For a week, every day must count. For a, a year, every week must count. For a decade, every year must count. Think about it. Nobody is born a genius. It depends on you. And that's the theme of my presentation. The human factor. You've heard a lot about how to build a business from the scratch. The heading tree. You've heard a lot how to build a business to compete with global multinationals locally. The ALAC story. And I want to concentrate on the human factor. What I call the delta factor. For those of you who have been running away from your March 101, I tell you, you just cannot run away. I've got you here today, and you still will not escape some of the fundamentals of mathematics. The good news is we'll relate it to life itself. 
Dominic and Co. are distributing a very simple item. You finish. Thank you very much. Very simple item called the match. I want that to remind you about today's springboard. And at the end of the presentation, all the four presentations that you have sat through, remember that you are living here to go and light your own flame. Keep it. Just keep it. If you are a student, you want to make a first class, make sure you attach it to your best subject so that it will remind you. If you want to build a good business, make sure you attach it to the proposal that you are thinking about so that it will remind you. It's very, very important. Please keep it. Simple item, the match. It can build, it can destroy. It can give warmth and it can burn bushes. Bushfire. We are in Hamilton. But I will urge you to use yours to build, not to destroy. By way of introduction, quick slides. Just read it yourself and pick what relates to you. Time flies, but you are the pilot. It is very rare thing in this world to see people living. Most of us exist. You may have a strategic plan, but remember, since this presentation is about doing it. If you don't have a smile, you should not open a shop. If you don't have a smile, don't venture to open a shop. Next. Okay. Mathematics 101. For me, the turning point is either a desirable point or an undesirable point. Your maximum or your minimum. What is most important here? is the fact that whether you are climbing or sliding, it requires some effort, some energy, some thinking, some power from you. It's in your hand. So you may decide to climb or slide or even get to the top. And when you get to the top, you create the next wow moment so that it will be mountain on top of a mountain. You may also decide to find a shortcut from this point to that point. But remember, it will only take you to the minimum. You may. So where you have to climb, you must climb. Where you have to study, you must study. Where you have to learn, you must learn. No shortcut in life. Ask all the successful people. In most cases, they tell you their stories in 30 minutes. But they use decades to prepare that story. So for me, 
you can only stop applying your best when it is no more adding additional output. I'm sure the economic students and the, mathematics, the mathematicians here will bear with me. At a turning point, the delta is zero. But in life, there is no delta zero. So long as you put in effort, it will yield some results. So you have no excuse to say, well, I've hit my maximum, and I'm not going to put in any extra effort, and that is it. No. Find your own point of inflection. The minimum point, I call it the Kotokraba trap. The Kotokraba trap. It's like a calabash. You try to move up, you slide backwards. You try to get this way, you slide backwards. Sometimes you need some expert help. Sometimes you can do it yourself. But in these days where a lot of people are committing suicide, maybe I may be talking to somebody. If you think your life is in crisis, the best option for you is not suicide. You are just trying to run away from reality. You are only a coward. You are trying to escape life here on earth. But you know life there. Think again. Go for help. That is not the best for you. You can get out of the Kotokraba trap. Many people have made it. Good excuse is no excuse. I stand in here. I can also find excuses in measles. Okay? My, le my left leg. Weak. I can also find excuses in polio. But good excuse is no excuse. Whenever you think your situation is so bad, you just cannot see where life is taking you to. It is important for you to stop. At least along that sliding curve, if you can stop anywhere before you land at the base, it's better. And even if you are at the base and you still cannot find any way out, please consult. There are many people who can help you than to take your own life. When you get to the very top, you must also look for the next wow moment. What I call the mountain on top of a mountain. Otherwise, you may get complacent. And when you get complacent, as for the top, it is only momentary. You are not there for long. So you must either keep going or you slide backwards or forward. Remember that. Next. So, my brief message for those of you who are currently rising, keep going. If you are in upper class bracket, if you are in um, first class bracket, keep going. Even first class, 3.8, you can still set a record. Don't say, I'm already there. So anything, I will still make it. Second upper, why do you want to rest there? Lower, why? Okay, SSS, why do you want to rest there? I am paying more attention to education this afternoon because I see that majority of you are students. But even when we come to the workplace, whether you are in corporate, whether you are in public service, I tell you, you can make a difference. You remember the story that Albert shared, the restaurant keeper. You can make a difference wherever you are. Now, this is a very difficult 
subject for me to talk about because I'm going to talk a little bit about myself, something I hate doing. But for your sake, I would give it a try. I have mapped my career right from class one till date. And the first graph you see is my formation phase, class one and beyond. Any moment that, in my opinion, I've made some progress, you see the curve, the curve going up. That's the moment of success. When the curve is going down, it's a moment of decline. So for me, those are the turning points in my life. I remember at class one, my report was so bad, but I didn't know because I was a child. My position was 21. Out of a class of about 30, 35 pupils. And I was very excited. Because for me, the bigger the number, the better. I took it to my dad. And I can tell you, I did not have peace throughout the vacation. Then I realized, oh, so the smaller, the better. At class 6, I had managed to get to the single digit zone. Okay? Between 1st and 5th. By God's grace, I sat the terminal exam at class 6. Those days we had um, the junior secondary system um, introduced by our champion. So all the schools in the metropolis will set exams at class 6. And I was fortunate myself and a friend we passed and were selected for junior secondary. So that's why you see the peak at classes. Only to get to JSS to realize that was going to be the most terrible part of my life. Not only was I influenced by bad friends, I also influenced others. So I take responsibility for my life. And rather than studying to pass our exams, I decided to learn how to play draft. And um, I learned the wrong way. Whilst my friends were studying, I was competing in a joint called Yellow Partition. So I am familiar with the color yellow, not only now, even at that stage. So the long and short of that story is, the results came. I neither passed nor failed. Fortunately, the best grade was a three. All others, four, five, six, four, five, six. For me, not good enough. Then I got to secondary school. Those days, from junior secondary school, you go straight to secondary form three. And that was my first turning point moment. Because I realized that I did not have the benefit of the first three-year secondary education. And if I'm not careful, I'll disgrace myself. So that was the time I decided that I will stop the slide. Enough was enough. And I decided to change direction and focus. God being so good, within two years in secondary school, I made a distinction that year. 
1987. And it was myself and a friend. Proceeded to A level, and it was equally very good. I went to University of Ghana after my national service. And those days, as Alfred, uh, Albert was saying, it was admin or suicide, medical or suicide. So me too, I wanted to go and do admin because I had the grades for admin. The results came, I did not get admin. I was very, very down. So that's the point you'll see, okay, immediately before University of Ghana. Okay, I was given the assurance that once you come, you can change your course. So the first day, the fresher orientation program that they did, we had a lot of people coming to speak to us in a garden just like this. And one of the lessons that they shared is you are in the university to broaden your horizon, to expand your knowledge base, and you are not necessarily here to build a career base. But once you expand your knowledge base, you can do anything and everything. And to be very frank with you, at that point in time, I had not even made up my mind what I wanted to use the BSc admin degree for. I didn't know. I was just flowing with the masses. So I decided that, okay, if that is the case, I'm going to concentrate on building my foundation in education. I was given economics, mathematics, statistics, and computer science. I realized that all the subjects had nothing to do with human beings. And I attended the computer science section about three or four times. It was too boring for me. What did I do? I dropped computer science. I wanted to do anthropology. But Legon at that time, you could not do anthropology as a first um, year program. So in place of anthropology, I picked archaeology because I wanted to know more about human beings, our evolution, how far we have come, etc., etc. So I combined archaeology with economics, with statistics and mathematics. What a combination. <laughs> After first year, I felt I've had enough with archaeology. Why? Not because it's not a good cause, but because I believed that I have built enough foundation to do self-learning therefrom, as far as the humanities side is concerned. So I dropped archaeology, and then I was left with mathematics, economics, and statistics. And final year, in 1993, I combined economics and statistics. And by God's grace, the results was a record. Okay? And with that one, I became a hot cake. I don't like publicity. But the next day, after graduation, I saw my, my, my face in many front pages. Graphic picked it. Over the weekend, mirror picked it. And I became a hot cake. I got employment from Bank of Ghana. I got one from Unilever. And even before the Bank of Ghana and Unilever, I tell you, I was making enough money from my own part-time teaching than my first Unilever salary could give. I was making enough money. And I was targeting rich families. 
If you have a daughter or a son who is struggling to even get a C in economics and has made FFF three times, the minimum I'll promise is a D. <laughs> and I will charge you so that your daughter or son will realize that there is value in education. And in my national service office, I had a small cubicle behind me. And for those rich kids, the only condition before I take you in is you must arrive two hours ahead of our classes. But my class was not more than one hour. The two hours, you know what you are going to do? You are going to crack your brains. So if for nothing at all, if you did not study the previous days, at least two hours under my watch, you will study. I'll give you stretching exercise. And I tell you, none of my students had less than a C in economics. Simple formula. Applied consistently. Delivered great results. The only reason I took up management traineeship program with Unilever was because I was curious. For me, it wasn't for money. I just wanted to see how all the things I've learned, the cost curves, the statistics, the statistical analysis, the probability theory, I wanted to see how it can be applied to real life. Because my salary, my own wages accumulated was more than two times what Unilever was going to pay me for my first job. I took it within the first two years. I was promoted to the management grade. I was very excited, very happy, but I made one mistake. I did not step back to ask myself the reason behind the success. The second thing is, I also did not ask myself what I did not do to deserve the promotion. Two things are important anytime you succeed. The reason behind your success so that you put it in your pocket like the match I've given you, you don't lose it, and why you may not even be the right person for the promotion, so that it will keep you humble. And then you know that even at the time you were promoted, you had some weaknesses. And whilst you are going to pursue the next level of promotion, you can cover whatever gaps you had. I didn't do that. In less than 18 months after promotion, Unilever Global Business decided to change the way they evaluated jobs. And unfortunately for me, my job, amongst many others, seven of us, all management trainees, were downgraded to assistant manager position. Young guys from universities having been promoted to management grade within two years, record time, have become the toast of the organization, everybody pointing at us. Now we have to still operate within the same organization as assistant managers. I tell you, some of my friends just could not bear. And I remember one night when I was struggling to embrace the change. I told myself that if anything is going to change, it depends on me. First, 
there's no need for me to downgrade my own abilities in line with my new downgraded rank. I will still work as if I'm a manager. That's the first thing. And then the second thing I said, even if these people tell me that now I'm an assistant manager, so I should be the sweeper, I am going to be the best sweeper in the world. Two things. And that goes back to Catherine's example of being open-minded. Two things. Best sweeper, and I'm not going to downgrade my capability. I was transferred to Kumase, and I tell you, in less than two years, I was regraded to management position. And in less than another 18 months, I was promo promoted to senior manager position. So that is what, for me, hard work, willpower can do. Do not allow anybody to define who you are, including organizational hierarchy. Hierarchy is abstract. You are bigger than that. If it must be, it's up to you. Afterwards, I saw myself going high and high. I had my first team as a leader in 1998. And that was a time that Unilever was battling Omo versus Ariel. And I'm happy to have been part of that success story. Delivered good market share, delivers good sales turnover, profitability. After that, I was transferred to India. I worked there for almost one year. I came back. The company said, yes, you've had enough of sales. Go to marketing. I went to sales maybe because I've done a lot of work with laundry. I became the brand's manager. And then less than 18 months again, I became the senior brand's manager responsible for laundry. I did that for almost 21 months, roughly. I was transferred back to sales to be in charge of national sales. I did that for almost two years. I was transferred to Zambia to be the country manager for Unilever. In roughly around two years, I came back to Unilever as a customer director responsible for sales and distribution and a member of the Unilever board. I thought that was big enough before MTN tempted me with many things. And now I'm proud and happy to be responsible for the biggest sales organization in the country. But that is not the end of it. That is not the end of it. I still had a lot of challenges along the way, but for me, I told myself, good excuse is not good enough. It's just not good enough. Somebody will tell you, I lost my parent. Yes, good excuse. I lost my sponsor. Very good excuse. But it's still not good enough because you have not yet lost yourself. Next. 
Next. So insights from my high and low, the area I want to focus on is the, the, the bottom part. When success comes, take it with humil humility. When success comes, take it with humility. Okay? Identify your contribution. Because sometimes you may just be lucky. You may happen to be... <laughs> the right person at the right place at the right time. And it's just thrust on you. And say, yeah! Superstar, superman. Take it with humility. Identify what is not your contribution. Be sincere with your success in your silent moment. Because what is not your contribution will reveal some gaps that you need to deal with even before you get to the next level. And identify what you could have done even better. So you are challenging yourself. You've been recognized, you've been promoted, but you are still challenging yourself. The promotion is not good enough. All this is preparing you for the next level. So that you don't just rest at the top, the maximum. Because I told you, it's only momentary. You are there just for a short while. Next. It is necessary once you do all the soul searching to zoom into action... And for me, the first critical test of action is having a compelling vision and selling that vision to yourself, first and foremost. If you cannot buy your product, nobody will mind you. Nobody will mind you. If you are able to sell that vision compellingly to yourself, it will give you energy to pursue it. Without it, you have no energy. Yes, it is good to build castle in the air, but link it with some stairs. Okay? Build some realism around your aspirations, your ambitions, and your future. You must mobilize resources. And Catherine said she started with 200 pounds. You don't need 1 million to start something big. 200 pounds. And now, I'm sure she's richer than myself and CC combined. <laughs> you see? We, we are wearing ties. Slaves to corporate environment. <laughs> it is important for you to review your plan. And it is important to remember that nice excuse, nice constraint, nice reason not to be is not good enough. Next. Can you afford not to prepare? Can you? Two definitions of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Franklin said this several years ago. The definition now is still the same. The value is the same. You are simply insane if you still put in the same amount of effort and at the end of the day you expect a miracle to happen. God does not waste his resources that way. We are all children of God and I'm sure he also will give to those who deserve. And it depends on how much you put in. 
whether you like it or not, you cannot afford not to prepare because change is coming in all directions. You are the center. The environment is changing. The economy is changing. The politics is changing. Technology is changing. And you are going to be bombarded in all directions if you don't build some resilience. If you don't take advantage of the changes around you. If you think you can just remain, you have no future. And that is a challenge I want to give you. If you continue to do what you have done in the past and you still expect a different result, you are joking. Next. Speed can be defined as a number of connections between people and machines. These days, technology and also the computing power of the machines. So the machine is one thing, but its power is another. And that is going to define and separate the men from the boys. And the girls from women. Women like our sister Catherine. That is a force of inequality. As for the future, everybody can talk about the future. But whether you like it or not, our knowledge about the future is very limited. So, even if you are forecasting, you are forecasting within some degree of error. The certainties are also limited. Nothing is certain because the drivers of change is moving very, very fast. The only way you can close this whale ready to swallow you is to acquire knowledge, reading, self-learning all the time. Not only when you are um, on campus. My people will tell you every day, even if I cannot read a book, I still keep it because in the spare moment I have, I want to read a chapter or a page. That will help you close this gap. Otherwise, you operate based on fear and hope and panic. Okay? You operate in fear and panic. But when you have knowledge, it is power. At best, you can predict the future fairly. And even if there will be some biases, it will be minimal. And you can avoid this will. Next. Next. You can deceive yourself by saying, oh, that's for change there. Well, it's irrelevant. What at all haven't we seen before? What at all haven't we seen before? Well, when it comes to we'll manage. These days, people will say, when we get to the bridge, we will cross it. Anybody who says that does not have any solution when it gets to the bridge. And that is why it is often used by politicians. When they don't have the solution, they say, oh, when we get to the bridge, we will cross it. Who tells you? It will not come from any supernatural force to help you predict the future. God has given you everything you need. You must use it first and foremost. We have not even used a percent 
of our brain capacity. Do the research. Google. We have not used a percent of the brain capacity. So why are you going for supernatural forces? If you work hard and pray hard, then God will bless your efforts. The big question, two of them, I want you to ponder about. Number one, for those of us here, in the next 10 years, what do you think will set us apart? Whether you like it or not, me, I believe that life is a race. And you are competing with yourself, first and foremost. What God has given you, your inner talent, your capabilities, versus what you are delivering with it. Okay? And we live in a competitive world. And our students and young people, the people you are competing with are not necessarily those in Ghana. You are competing with global labor force. Knowledge is power. So you are not only limited to the competition within your own class or in your faculty. If you are going to be the best sociologist, you should be ranked the best in the world. Not just in Ghana not just in Cape Coast, not just in um, in University of Ghana, in the world. And that is what we should be stretching our imaginations and our aspirations towards. The future is contingent, but the good news is a factor of the contingency is you. The future depends on a lot of ifs, but one of the big ifs is you. Whether it can change or not depends on you. You can decide to lament and complain and give yourself all the reasons why you should not be successful. And that one, you are just exciting yourself. The day will come, and if you are not lucky, you'll find yourself in your Kotokraba trap. You remember that trap? The bottom. You find yourself there, it's a struggle. And that's why I said, there you need help. That is where you think, oh, my life is in, in a mess, crisis. Whatever I do, I just cannot come out. The more I work hard, the more things deteriorate. Okay? The future is contingent. Change can come in a very soft, cunning way. Like a frog on fire. Okay? When it's burning, it will not feel it. Before it will say, Jack, it's gone. It cannot jump out. Or it will come like a thunder. Wham! And you can't do anything about it. So whilst you have the opportunity to change and push yourself and stretch yourself, think hard, work hard, you must go for it. This is the manifesto of Apple. A business that has also gone through the turning point moments. It was very unsuccessful for some time, but now, great business from the technology point of view, whether it's iPhone, whether it's Apple, uh, Macintosh, etc., etc. Great technology, great product, great service, great brand. What they say is, it, it is usually people who think they can change the world who do, but don't start changing the world of over six billion without changing yourself, the unit. Okay? So when you think forward, globally, come back to yourself. Change yourself. Change your environment. Change your sphere of influence. 
And like the match, the fire was spread. Next. Who wants to be in this business? Can you see? When was the last time you bought a cassette player? When was the last time? Now it's CD, it's MP3. And I don't think if anybody wants to employ me to sell this product, I'll go near. It's gone. Ideas are there to be found. If you don't find them, a Catherine will find them for you. Take you to the marketplace. Share a fantastic story about it. They are there. They are like onions. Next. We often excite ourselves. Let's think outside the box. But you know the box you are in. No, I'm here to challenge some of the conventional wisdom. Imagine conventional wisdom. Do you even know the box you are in? You don't even know the maze you are in. And you are venturing out to talk about the big pack out there. Discover your box. And then you can discover the, wilder, the wider world out of the box. When you discover your box, you can discover the wider world. The fish will never discover water. It was born in it, grew up in it, or die in it. To be the last to discover water. Are you the fish in water? What do you see? An old lady or a young woman? Okay. I'm sure different people will see different things. Next. That you see her. To Eve is clothing in the Garden of Eden. Trevor is a risk. The train can derail. So sometimes it is, it is about what you do with it. Too many of us keep frogging from one idea to the other. We behave like bones, like dogs. You take a bone to run with it, it will leave it. Okay, take another one, run with it, will leave it. It is about time you spend some time on the idea you have. It's about time. You really worked around it. Next. Who wants to be average? Two definitions. Either you are the best of the worst or the worst of the best. Why would you want to be an abstract number? Every statistician will tell you an average sometimes is not a, a simple figure to determine. And then they will talk about a mean, a median. Who wants to be that number? If you can afford to be the best of the West, why don't you push yourself to be the best? Nobody. Impossibility is just next. You may have years, but it's about time you prioritize on some few and focus on them. Where there is a will, I'll be a way. Remember the human element in all this discussion. You have it. It depends on how you want to apply yourself. 
Life is a race. Don't, don't, don't deceive yourself. Life is a race. Teaching. First is yourself and the external world out there. The future, once again, is contingent. I'm going to show a short video about a story I picked up when I visited India recently. Just to make a point, the fact that the sheer human effort makes a difference. We are going to talk about people of whom are illiterate in India. They belong to a prejudiced caste. And the difference made collectively as a team. To the extent where today they have become the toast of Harvard Business and many others. So please listen attentively to the cue from it. To Mumbai, India now, one of the world's biggest and busiest cities, the pace of life is so fast, even eating can be a challenge. But every day, thousands of people have it their way, thanks to a company that's so good, even Americans are taking notice. Seth Doan follows some of the world's best delivery men. Talk about fast food. With their signature white caps, they're as much of a lunchtime staple in Mumbai as the curry they carry. They're called dabbawalas, rough translation, lunchbox men. For every dabbawala, serving food is the serving the mankind. A vestige of the colonial days, and only possible in a country where labor is cheap, 5,000 dabbawalas deliver 200,000 home-cooked meals every business day. Even if there is heavy rain, we are serving. Even there is a summer, we are serving. Even there is a flood, our people are serving. All for less than $10 a month. The Dabawalas pick up your lunch at home and deliver it to the office. They're on time every time. And they don't slow down for curious reporters. Turns out, it's just not possible to keep up with the Dabawala while in the vehicle. <laughs> so I will be running after the Dabawala. On average, each Dabawala travels 86 miles a day. We follow 23-year-old Vishnu, or at least tried to. I've managed to get on a car with Dabawalas, though I'm on the wrong car of Dabawalas. The little metal lunch boxes are arranged and rearranged according to pickup and drop-off points. A lunch might change hands four times before it reaches its destination. With a predominantly illiterate workforce, it's all done with colors and codes. Strangely enough, the intricate balancing act works. The dollars deliver about a million meals a week and average only about four mistakes a month. Forbes magazine gives them a 99.999% accuracy rating. And top-notch business schools who've studied the system say the Dabawalas could teach Westerners a thing or two. Their secrets, they say, are abandoning bad customers and prizing enthusiasm over experience. And I'd add one. Endurance helps, too. Seth Dome, CBS News, Mumbai. 200,000 lunch boxes by use of a very simple code. They only make four mistakes out of six million deliveries. Four mistakes out of six million deliveries. 
no school, no education. They are doing this. What excuse do we have? They gave me this one. I got this from the Dabawales, and I'm keeping it because I take more inspiration from them. After listening to their story, I told myself, I have not even started. I have not yet started. Fantastic story. We have no excuse. Absolutely no excuse as individuals and as a country. Fantastic story. Prince Charles wanted to visit them. They told Prince Charles to come. Originally, Prince Charles wanted them to send a delegation. They said, no, no, no. For us, our customers come first. Prince, we love you. We also want to see you. But come at this time. We will only allow 10 minutes. If you are late by more than a minute, you will not meet us. So when they talk about serving food, it's about serving mankind. That is a corporate philosophy they have crafted. And for them, they say work is worship. For them. Harvard Business School has written cases upon cases about them. Some of their men go down to lecture MBA students. And when I ask them what do they consider to be one of the major issues in the world, they said it's MBA. I said, why MBA? They said, because the people think they know a lot. Dabawala. You can Google for more. www.dabawala.com to get a lot about them. Error rate, 0.0001%. No education. No, go back. They enjoy Six Sigma certification from Forbes. No education. Richard Branson and Prince Charles are some of their fan members. No education. Microsoft has used them as an endorsement for their brand in India. And if you know India, it is a haven of technology and IT. And for Microsoft to choose them as a symbol of quality authenticity means they have achieved a lot and they are respected. Okay? Once again, no education. They lecture leading business schools like Stanford and MBAs around the world. As I mentioned, Harvard, Economist, BBC, they've all done documentary and case studies about them. No education. But when all is said and done, they do not take any pride in all the accolades. Not the visit by Richard Branson. They said, yes, when he visited, we got global attention. And for them, it was a turning point moment. Okay? But they still do not consider that to be the most important thing. When I asked them, they said, when we put a smile on the face of the customer, We've made our day. Simple code system. They are able to deliver. If you know Mumbai and India, there's a, a city with a population of more than 20 million people. They are able to deliver 
with a precision rate of 99.9999%. Next. So from the double wallow story, I'm just about ending. For them, they just serve their customers. Anything is secondary. You can also decide that as far as your core business, your core mission in life is concerned, you will just focus on it and any other thing is secondary. What are you doing right now? And are you applying your best effort, your best brains, your best abilities? It will be good to make any other thing secondary. Just focus on that. One of the biggest lessons I pay from the double thing is, if you don't want anything to be done, make it complex. So, the opposite of complexity in the Dabawala world is non-compliance. Keep it simple. Know the implications of failure. These people, they know that if they fail, they are going back to the land and they don't want to go there. It's difficult in India. Many of the agrarian economists, they are making an average income of sometimes less than $40 a day. Sorry, a month. Not a day, a month. The Dabawala's are making not less than $80, $120 a month. And they will tell you all of them are shareholders. Nobody is a master. They are the same in the same business. So they know the alternative of failure. Do you know if you fail? Have you even defined failure? Have you asked yourself what it takes to fail? Maybe that will be the beginning. Just ask yourself. Another important thing is they abandon bad customers. This is against all the sales stories I've, I've come across. Abandoning cast bad customers. Okay? If you are a housewife, they come, you let them stay at the point for more than five minutes, that is it you will have to have a conversation with your husband. They are gone. Because when one customer is delayed, it will affect all others. The last point I want to make is the deep preceding excellence is discipline. A lot has been talked about. Discipline is important. You cannot attain excellence unless you are disciplined. The last slide I want to show, please go to the last slide. last yes if they can achieve this then we are just beginning we have no excuse an ounce of action is more than a ton of preaching i've made my case thank you very much